Well, nobody knew that I was preaching tonight except my wife, and she decided not to show up. So, uh, so what a blessing to be here tonight. I trust you're thankful for our church. I don't know if everybody understands what a blessing this church has been to the Garmo family. And God sent us here just at the right time for us. And so it's, it's just a blessing to be here. And uh, <clears throat> as we continue our thoughts on striving together, uh, tonight we're going to be talking, we're going to look at the idea of stand fast. And so two months ago, we explored the idea of why we failed to strive. Uh, we cannot strive for the gospel if our conversation is not consumed by the gospel. We must live a life that's worthy of the gospel. And we looked at it, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel. And so if we have aspects of our life that are not in line with the gospel, if our life is not becoming of the gospel, we cannot properly strive for the gospel. And so hopefully I conveyed that uh, well enough and it was a blessing to you. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, he uses the term run all and striveth for the masteries. We must be fully committed to this, to strive so much so that our conversation, our life is built around it. And then last month we looked at the idea that we must do this together. Uh, we cannot effectively strive for the faith of the gospel alone. Uh, that's, that's so true. <clears throat> Certainly we need to do our part individually. We all need to do our part, but we can't effectively do it if we don't do it corporately as God intended. Uh, listen, God is building the church. What a blessing to be a part of it. Uh, and, and like I said, what a blessing to be a part of Liberty Baptist Tabernacle and what God's doing here. And so we must remember He is bringing the increase. Whether that's spiritually, numerically, uh, God's building the church. But the truth of the matter is, He uses us as individuals to do it. Therefore, and hopefully I conveyed this last time, we must acknowledge each other's importance and significance in this body. All of us are important. Uh, all of us are critical. Everyone has value and is needed. All of us here tonight. Uh, there is nobody that's dispensable. Uh, so understanding that God has placed each part here for the edification of the whole, we must be united and strive together. And so that was the last couple of months. Now this brings us to our emphasis for tonight as we continue the question, how do we strive together and tonight, we're going to talk about by standing together. So if you would, please stand with me in honor of reading the Word of God. <clears throat> and we will be in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. And the Word of God says this, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And down in verse 28, I think we'll get to part of this. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, but look at this, but also to suffer for His sake. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank You, Lord, for this day. Lord, it's been good to be in your house. And so now, Father, as we take the next few moments to look at your word, I pray that you would fill with the Spirit of God, that you would <clears throat> give a Holy Spirit anointing, Lord, that the word of God would go forth with power. And Father, I pray that we would be bound together, knit together closer than ever before, that we might strive together and stand for the gospel. Lord, we look to you today to do only what you can in our hearts, and I pray that you would change us to be more like Christ. We thank you for all you've done. We, Lord, pray that you just continue to work in and through our church. And bless now, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. 
So tonight, as we've covenanted together to order our lives by and around the gospel, we come to the thought, stand fast. Matthew Henry writes this, It is a shame to religion when the professors of it are off and on, unfixed in their minds and unstable as water. Here's what he says, For they will never excel. Those who would strive for the faith of the gospel must stand firm to it. Uh, We ought to stand firm in the gospel. Um, And I know this church does. And I'm thankful for it. And our ability to stand is not... To stand for the gospel is is, uh, not something that we drum up from our inner selves. Um, nor is it because we are motivated by some outward influence to stand. Paul in, that, in verse 27 says, uh, whether I come and see or else be absent, this isn't something that we do just when the preacher's around. Uh, at least it ought not be that way. And uh, we ought not to be motivated by some outward compulsion to stand for the gospel. No, but rather because we have received and ordered our life around the gospel. Is the gospel your life? Can you say that? Listen, we're born again. We've been quickened. We are new creatures. Behold, old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We have a new fellowship, a new unity. And listen, a new purpose to stand for. I'm just thankful to be a part of what God's doing. And it's humbling to think that Almighty God would use the likes of you and me to accomplish His purpose on this earth. So as we develop this thought to stand fast, if you would look with me on the term one spirit. Uh, there in, in, in verse 27, <clears throat> uh, this is not a direct reference to the Holy Spirit, uh, but more of a look at the work of the Spirit, I would say. Uh, we stand in one Spirit because the spirits of believers are knit together into one fellowship by the Holy Spirit of God, abiding in them all. Our spirit is the highest part of our immaterial nature, which when enlightened by the Holy Spirit of God at salvation, remember, and you hath he quickened, we've been made alive, can rise into communion with God. We are united by the Spirit, and the Spirit is empowering us to stand. In chapter 2, in verse 1, we see the Apostle Paul talk about the fellowship of the Spirit. And so certainly the the Holy Spirit is the agent, um, but the idea here is, as we couple it with this, this other term here, where it says one mind... And uh, the word mind here, uh, we would pronounce it in English, psyche, but I think the Hebrew is sukkah, sukkah, something like that. Um, And it is translated in our Bibles in the following manners. It's translated soul 58 times, life 40 times, mind 3 times, and heart once. And so tonight, what am I telling you? The idea is that our entire being, the mind works in conjunction with the Spirit to make us who we are. The idea here is that all the desires and emotions are concentrated on one object. All acting together in the one great work, standing and striving together for the faith of the gospel. So our entire being is motivating us and moving us to stand for the gospel. We ought to stand in one spirit, in one mind, our entire being. Here's a couple examples. Uh, James chapter 1 and verse 8, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That term double-minded comes from, it's actually two Greek words. The first one being dis, meaning twice, again. And the second is the word psyche, as I mentioned before. So both of these together mean two-spirited or vacillating in purpose or opinion, double-minded. Obviously, if you're double-minded, you can't accomplish much. Uh, And so here, Acts chapter 4. Maybe this example will help clarify what I'm trying to 
get across tonight. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that out of things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. <clears throat> the reasoning here is, Christ, is in Christ we are all, we all have the same purpose. We ought to have the same purpose. Uh, despite our race, despite our varied backgrounds, despite our personal differences, despite our different talents. And listen, when my wife's out of town, you're not going to find me with some surprising secret talent. Like Brother Benson. Um, uh, so, this is all I got, so I apologize. If it, um, I, wish, I wish I was more musically inclined and, and talented in any way, really. But, um, but listen, tonight, we all have a varied background and varied talents. We have different time that we're able to commit specifically to the church. And, and now, listen, our, all of our time ought to be consumed with preaching the gospel in our homes, at work, uh, here at the church, uh, in our communities. But the reality is we all do have different situations and circumstances uh, <clears throat> that allow us to participate in, in standing and striving for the faith. And so what is the faith of the, the, of the gospel? It's the doctrine of the gospel. Faith is here used objectively. The faith of the gospel is the doctrine of the gospel, the doctrine that Paul once fought against and persecuted those who believed and practiced it. Uh, Galatians 1.23, But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preaches the faith which once he destroyed. And so this is the doctrine that Paul was set out to destroy originally. Uh, this is the faith, uh, I should say, that that he was fighting against. Uh, but now here the Apostle Paul is preaching it. Uh, what a blessing. So tonight we ought to all stand for the same faith. So what does it mean to stand fast? How do we stand for the faith? Listen, God has orchestrated this. He's, he's the agent, the Holy Spirit, and, and we ought to get on board. Um, but standing fast, Strong's defines it as this, to be stationary, to persevere. It, it's really a military term. So in this passage, we see Paul using political terms, our conversation, our citizenship, if you will. Uh, here we see a military term, and the idea of striving together is more of an athletic term. Uh, but <clears throat> this here is a military term. Uh, stand ready, persevere, persist. Here's one for you. Be immovable. The idea is to keep one's ground in battle. We are not to give up any ground. It is a defensive posture. The soldier that is told to stand fast is to never leave what they have been given to defend. They don't leave it. No matter the onslaught, no matter how hot it gets, no matter the threat, we are to utterly be unyielding to fight to the death, to stand fast. Amen. And we're standing fast for the faith of the gospel. Paul re repeats this, this kind of image several times in his writings. The Corinthians were called to watch ye stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong, 1 Corinthians 6.13. The Galatians, they were called to stand fast in the liberty of Christ and not go back to the bondage of legalism. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Galatians 5.1. The Ephesians were taught spiritual warfare as one in large part by standing firm against the wiles of the devil by what? Taking the whole armor of God. We'll be talking about that in VBS this year. But Ephesians 6, uh, 11 through 18, uh, there's some verbiage in there. It says, stand against the wiles of the devil. Later on, it says, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. And so this is an idea that the Apostle Paul uh, over and over has reminded the Christians in the early church to stand fast. Don't give up any ground. <clears throat> Amen. 
there in Ephesians, you just get the picture. You take all that stuff, all this armor, you plant your feet, and you stand. Again, we don't stand in our own power. We're certainly dependent on the Lord to strengthen us and to give us power to stand. And, and the Thessalonians were called to stand fast in the Lord and the Apostles' doctrine in 1 Thessalonians 3.8. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. And 2 Thessalonians 2.15, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and behold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. And then even here in the book of Philippians in chapter 4, in verse 1 it says, Therefore, my brethren... <clears throat> dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I think the Apostle Paul was trying to send a message to the, to the early church that we need to stand. Listen, there's some things worth standing for. It's not our opinion. It's not our traditions. It's not the things that we want. It's the faith of the gospel. It's for the word of God. Uh, listen, we really have... Very little to offer. Listen, we don't present these things like they're a good idea. <clears throat> we have to do it with conviction. Listen, these are our convictions. We live in a day where there is the idea that there is no truth. Uh, we, we are told that we, are, we ought to live in a dark world as light. We are the light of the world. And so we, we must assert that there is truth. The world today doesn't want truth. Listen, there is a heaven. There is a hell. There is one way to heaven, and that is through one mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ. That apart from Him, there is no way, and you will be judged. And we must declare dogmatically that Jesus is risen and that He is returning. We declare that God is the judge and God will condemn the unrighteous, and that He is a willing Savior of all who would repent and believe. Listen, these things are not up for grabs. They're not up for grabs. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 through 4. You can turn there if you would. <clears throat> That's to the left. At least it is in my Bible. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. By which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory that I, or what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, buried and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. The Gospel. This is what we're to stand for. We do not represent Him like it's a good idea. Could I share a few good ideas with you? Listen, I'm not saying to be a jerk for Jesus. But we ought to come to this with a sense that this is the Word of God, and it, or that it is the Word of God in fact. And it's not the Word of a man, and we stand on it with both feet planted, standing for the gospel, and we will defend it till death. Is that not the example we have of the early church and the disciples and the apostles that gave their life to stand for the faith of the gospel? When it comes to the gospel, we are unmovable. When scripture is attacked, we defend it. We stand to defend it. When the truth is abandoned, we stay the course. And when the devil assaults, we relinquish no ground. We're to stand. We're to stand for the gospel. And listen, don't go rogue here. This is not about you. This is about us striving together. This is about the gospel. God's children stand as an army. 
We stand in one spirit, in one mind. We have a mutual commitment to stand as one and relinquish, and relinquish nothing. We're not to give anything up. We have a mutual commitment, a deep devotion, and a pers- we're, we're pursuing a purpose. Listen tonight, if you're just coming to church, just floating along, you're on the wrong track. We got to stand for the faith of the gospel. That may take some study. That may take some Bible reading and prayer. Listen, we can't just lazily go through the Christian life. If you remember that quote from Matthew Henry, they will not excel. We got to get serious about this. Commit that the gospel is worth standing for. Do you believe that tonight? Some of you might. There is a sense of cohesion and togetherness. There is no strife, no contention. One for all, all for one. Paul here is calling for a common commitment to the truth and to Christ and to one another. He's calling the people at Philippi and the Lord calling us as well to stand for the gospel. That we would stand firm on the foundation and that we would stand with our arms locked together. We're in this together. You don't have to face the battle alone. Listen, the the Christian life can get difficult. It can get challenging. It can get hard. There will be opposition. We'll look at some of that here in a moment. We need one another. We can't be backbiting and and, and being contentious with one another. Because the reality is, the idea of standing and what the Apostle Paul is telling the church at Philippi here is not simply a defensive posture. Yes, they ought to stand for the faith. They ought to stand and be willing to die for the faith. But we're to strive forward for the faith of the gospel. Working together for the advancement of the gospel. Working together for a common goal. Striving together for the faith of the gospel. When you think of the idea of striving, there's going to be some agonizing Athletes agonize and train to strive. If it's worth doing, it's going to cost something. We're not speaking of some subjective faith, but an objective faith. Listen, this is a truth that has been given to us. Like in in the book of Jude, in verse 3, the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Listen, I understand that God can make this thing happen without any of us, but the reality is He's chosen to use us, and so we ought to get in the fight. We ought to put the boxing gloves on. We ought to begin training. How committed are athletes? Boy, they deny their bodies things and and to ensure that they're going to be competitive. But I'm afraid that in today's modern Christianity, we have a a bunch of gluttonous, overweight Christians that aren't willing to sacrifice anything Because it's uncomfortable. Listen, we're not called just to come in here and warm up. uh, I was going to say pew, but these are chairs. We're not called to just come in here, sit down, warm a pew, fellowship, shake hands, have a good time, and go home. Listen, this is where we come and get strengthened and edify one another and, and to get some training perhaps so that we can go out to the battle. So we can go out and we can contend and we can strive for the faith of the gospel. Let it never be said that liberty is a lazy church. Are we lazy in our devotional life? And I'm talking about your private walk with God. Devotion kind of sounds weak. But listen, do you walk with God? Is that a priority? Or are we just lazy about this? The faith of the gospel 
It is all that we believe, all that we have in the Scriptures. That is salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone, according to the Scriptures alone. The faith of the Gospel. That's the faith that we're standing for. That's the faith that we ought to be striving for. We are striving for that faith. We are striving to make that faith known. Listen, there's people around us that don't know. And if we're going to be lazy about this thing, they'll never know. We are to strive to protect it and to stand, yes, but we are also to strive forward to promote it. We ought to be preaching the gospel in our community. Did you hear me? I didn't say we ought to be preaching the gospel from this pulpit. Certainly that's true. Listen, some people might call me crazy, but listen, you're called to be a preacher. And I'm talking to the ladies too. You're a preacher. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Are you doing that in our community? Are you standing for the faith? Are you striving for the faith? Are you sharing all the marvelous things that God's done for you? Are you keeping it a secret? Has he not done so much for us? Why would we hold out and not share that with everyone around us? God help us. God help us. Are you striving? We are laboring, aren't we? As we gather here to encourage one another, as we read and study the Word of God, are we growing in our, as we grow in our knowledge and understanding and experience the truth? Then we are striving, and listen to this tonight, we are disciplining ourselves not only to live that truth, but also to grow in speaking that truth. Listen, you ought to be speaking at a greater level than ever before. Listen, I'm talking about Christian growth here. I've met a lot of Christians over my, my period of time going to church and they act like they're so spiritual and they've been in church for so long and they have all the answers and, and they know how this Christian life goes, but they never preach the gospel. There's people that they work with that don't even know they're a Christian. That's a problem. They're not standing. They're not striving. That's what we're called to do. Do you preach the gospel? Listen, we all have different arenas that that may take place in. But we are all called to preach the gospel. When was the last time you spoke of Jesus to anybody? And I'll say maybe besides your family. Have you shared Christ with a coworker ever recently? Have you shared Christ with a family member that you know doesn't know him? Have you shared Christ in our community, perhaps while you're out at the grocery store? <clears throat> Listen, you can go hang door hangers and never even share Christ. And I'm not downplaying that. I think it's important. We need to canvas our city, don't, so don't misunderstand me. But the reality is sometimes we need to open our mouth and say of all the wonderful things that God has done for us. Amen. Do you believe that he died for you? Do you believe that he rose from the dead? Boy, everybody needs to know that. We have a God that's not willing that any should perish. So have you been striving to speak of Christ and the gospel? This is what the church is about. By the way, you're the church. All of us have different arenas. The idea of striving here we all compete in different areas, some in the office, all of us in some way in our homes, some in the hospital, some in the markets, some at random job sites where they work, some at school, college or otherwise. <clears throat> When's the last time you preached Christ? When's the last time you strived for the gospel? I think some of us are afraid to bring it up because we might have to stand. 
There were times that I would share Christ in a workplace environment and you would get belittled. You would get heckled and, or people would have questions. Some people have some perplexing questions too. But there ought to be one thing for sure that I know about you and that you know about me, that each of us is striving with one mind toward the common goal, and that is to see others converted to Christ. Through the way that we live, our conversation is becoming of the gospel, and through our preaching and striving and standing for the gospel. Listen, our community, we ought to be identifiable in our community. We ought to be identifiable at school, at work, or whatever the case may be. Is that individual's different? I wonder why that is. Well, they're a Christian. Don't be the lazy guy that clocks in and doesn't start work for 10 or 15 minutes. Listen, our life ought to be representative of what that we stand for. It's very difficult to preach the gospel if you're not living the gospel. And I have to admit, I know that from firsthand experience. If you're not living in a life that is becoming, if your conversation isn't becoming of the gospel, it makes it a lot more challenging to speak up and preach the gospel and certainly to stand for the gospel and to strive for the gospel in your community, in your workplace, and even in your home because people are looking at you going, wow. Now listen, I don't want you to get discouraged because you can get that thing right. God is merciful. God is patient with us. So get that thing right in the sight of God and begin striving. It's easy to explain. Well, I'll never forget. After God got a hold of my heart, I was a teenager and I began knocking doors. And I was fresh and young. I don't even know if I probably should have been knocking doors by myself. But I was, the, I was the older teen, so I was the leader. The other kid probably knew more than me. Well, I'll never forget, I knocked on a door. <clears throat> and a guy came to the door that knew me from before. I said, what are you doing out here knocking on a door for a church? And I didn't have all the answers. I didn't know what to say. The only thing I knew to say was, I got right with God. And that conversation, basically, that was the end of it. And I invited him to church and to be there. But he was so blown away that I would be where I was based on what he knew of me before. Listen, if you've got some things in your life that aren't becoming of the gospel, you need to get those things dealt with. There ought to be nothing in our lives. And now I'm not saying we're perfect. None of us are. But let's be honest about it. Confess those things. Be honest with the people around it. Listen, sometimes we just need to be honest with our family. People come to church and put on a show like they're a spiritual giant. They're walking with God. They're contending for the faith. They're standing for the faith. They're striving for the faith. But in their home, they're a Christian bum. God help us. And so our lives ought to be representative of this, but we need to speak up. We don't like the idea of disciplining ourselves. Telling ourselves no. Boy, maybe I don't need to watch eight hours of TV this week. Man, if you would just do a fraction of that reading the Word of God, it would make a huge difference in your life. So tonight, have you been striving to speak of Christ and the gospel? That's what we're here for as a church. Everything else about the church can happen in heaven. The preaching of the gospel to those that do not know it cannot. That's why God has left us here, to preach the gospel. You see, we are laboring that others may believe. What a worthy cause to strive and a worthy cause to labor for and a worthy cause to abstain from things that others may hear the gospel. Like athletes, we will strive. There will be work. There will be sweat. 
There will be pain. Listen, and there will be sacrifice. And, and tonight, there must be some self-denial to some point or another. <clears throat> but the reality is, Paul guarantees us that there will be difficulty and there will be resistance. We see that in this passage in, in verse 28. <clears throat> great victory never comes except in the teeth of great exertion. We must exert ourselves for the cause of the gospel. Are you exerting yourself? Uh, just day by day. You don't have to do anything miraculous every day. That's not what I'm saying. But are you committed to this thing? Are you striving for it? Are you <clears throat> ordering your life around it? 2 Corinthians 2, 15 and 16, For we are unto God a sweet Savior of Christ in them that are saved, and in them that perish, to the one we are the Savior of death unto death, and the other the Savior of life unto life. And he says this, and who is sufficient for these things? He asks that question, who is sufficient for these things? Who can live this way and speak this way? Who can see sinners converted? And the answer is none of us standing alone. We certainly need the Lord. Verse 17, for we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but of sincerity, but of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. <clears throat> Listen tonight, when we stand together on the word, protecting what is precious and strive out offensively, declaring the truth of the gospel together in the strength which he supplies. God will give us all that we need to do this. We live a life that manifests the converting power of the gospel. Are you a witness of the converting power of the gospel? Your life, your testimony? <clears throat> what a blessing to hear Brother Benson's testimony tonight before his special. Uh, God can change us. We ought to have a different testimony. It's okay if you weren't perfect. That's just a testimony of the saving power of the gospel, and God can use that. <clears throat> Listen, God has chosen to use means. In church family, brothers, sisters in Christ, you're it. We are the means. This is not my task or anyone else's task. It's our task. One mind, one purpose, one gospel. And the wonder of all of this is God is well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Look at 1 Corinthians one twenty one. For after that, for after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Some of us tonight need to get off the sideline and onto the field. Yes, sir. The gospel works. Amen. It has the power of Almighty God behind it. The reality is some of you just need to get out and get with it. You need to strive alongside the rest of those that are out there. The football team doesn't win if only eight guys show up on the field. They'll get crushed. They're outnumbered. Listen, we all have a part in this. We all must stand. We all must strive. God wants to use all of us. You say you're afraid. Yeah, it can be, it can be scary at times. But God anticipated this, and the Apostle Paul anticipated this. Just look at the next verse in our, in our text, verse 28. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. <clears throat> Not only should we be united in standing, united in striving, but also we will be united in suffering. But we are in no way terrified by our adversary. There will be opposition. Is that not the very nature of an athletic or striving endeavor? 
opposition a challenge. There's an opponent on the other side of the football or the basketball or maybe even a soccer ball. <clears throat> Listen, there will be false teachers, those who oppose sound doctrine. There will be the legalists who seek to turn up or turn us back to the gospel of works. There will be those that are licentious who seek to take the grace of God and turn it into some form of loving the world and in some type of a light view of sin. There will be the divisive who will gossip and slander who seek to tear apart our unified fabric. There's going to be the contentious. Listen to me tonight. I'm simply saying we will face assaults on our unity from within and from without. The, op- the opposition that comes of the world those that will revile and mock us and say all kinds of things falsely on the account of Christ. Listen, this is nothing new. Uh, we've been shielded from it here in America, but the church has faced all, faced all manner of persecutions from belittling to beheading. For most of us here, belittling is likely the extent of our suffering. No, they might not like what I say. They might make fun of me. Oh, boy, get over yourself. Christ died for you. But Paul says, don't be terrified. He's telling the people in Philippi to be bold, to stand firm, to go forward. Here's how our Savior said it in John 16, 33. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Listen tonight, church, we're on the winning side. We ha- sure, we'll face tribulation, but Jesus has overcome it all. I know you've heard, what's the worst they can do? Send me to heaven? If we could really get a hold of that truth, I think we might be more bold and more willing to stand, and more willing to strive and to preach, because the reality is we have far much more to gain to be present with the Lord and to be consumed with the affairs of this life. And I'll, I'll stop there. I don't, I don't want to get on a hobby horse here, but <clears throat> do you guys remember in Acts 4, pastor's been preaching there. I, I think he's, he's Acts 7 or 8 now, isn't he? Acts 8, 6, oh, 6, okay. I was giving you more credit than 6, but. I guess it's not more credit. It's a great study. Be here on Sunday nights. It'll be better preaching than tonight. But in Acts chapter 4, we see the church gathered to pray. After the men had had their hands laid on them and they had been beaten and and they had an overnight stay in the the prison. And uh, because of the healing of the man at the temple, we sang that song tonight. Uh, that scripture song. But we're going to pick up reading. If you want to turn to Acts chapter 4, verse 27 and 29, this is in the middle of where the church is praying there. And so we'll pick up in the middle of this for the sake of of time tonight. But Acts chapter 4, verse 27 through 29, it says this, For of a truth against the holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Look what it says here. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. And look what he says. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. So certainly there will be opposition, but we don't need to be terrified by that. The threatenings will come. Persecutions may come. But the church at Jerusalem, they stood fast. We have a great example of how this can be done. They understood that nothing happens without God being in control. In that verse it says, For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. But did you know things didn't get better for the church there? Those men had been beaten told not to preach in the name of Christ. But skip to chapter 8. And we'll pick it up here. Now the Christians, the disciples of the Lord, are being killed for their faith. 
They're being killed for standing for the faith of the gospel. Acts 8, verses 1 through 4, And Saul was consenting unto his death. Speaking of Stephen, And at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. And look what it says here. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. They were undeterred. They said, we're going to stand We're going to strive. We're going to carry on what God has given to us. This faith that's been delivered to us, we're not going to be the dead end of that. By the grace of God and and by us banding together, we're going to continue to preach the word. And this, I won't, we don't have time to really develop this, but I love this idea. We have Saul here consenting unto his death. And we know Saul is miraculously saved and we know him as the Apostle Paul. And so all that opposition that you're afraid of, all of those people that may belittle you, all of those people that give you a hard time about preaching the gospel of Christ, maybe one day they'll be locked arm in arm with you preaching because you were faithful to stand, you were faithful to strive, and you preach the gospel, and they get miraculously saved, and God begins to use them. That's how the gospel works. There's power. It's not power because we're good enough. It's not power because we are eloquent enough to preach. Look who's here tonight. But the reality is if we're faithful to preach the gospel, God will change lives and he will move mountains and he will bring the increase and we can go forward for Christ regardless of the suffering that we may face. So quit being a sissy about it. God is on your side. Listen, God's more powerful than your employer. God can pay you more than your employer if you get fired for preaching Christ. Do you trust Him? Do you believe Him? We say that He can provide. We say that He can take care of us. But we live an anemic Christian life because we're in fear that what people will think. Do we believe in the almighty power of God that can change lives? Listen, God can save your boss. Do you pray for your boss? We've been uh, asking to pray for Werfelt, I believe is his last name, works in the IRS, high-ranking official. Listen, we ought to be praying for our government officials. We want to sit back and whine and complain and bellyache about all these things that are going on in our country, but when's the last time you prayed for Joe Biden? When's the last time you prayed for Kamala Harris? When's the last time you prayed for Christy Nome? I didn't vote because I don't live in the city of Rapid, but you have a new mayor coming in. Pray for him. Solomon? Solomon? Something like that. God can change things if we would be faithful to stand and to strive because it's all about Him. He's the one doing the work. It's not your power. People will ask perplexing questions. They'll confuse you. We don't, I don't have it all figured out. You guys have met me. I ain't that bright. But we don't have to be because we have the gospel. It's the power of God. Listen, what are you afraid of? Why is speaking the name of Jesus in the glorious gospel that is everything to you, so you say, that changed you, that has taken you from darkness to light, from hell to heaven, reconciled you to God, why would you withhold that from anybody? We must get over this and begin to speak and act as faithful believers who live worthy of the gospel of Christ. Shake off your fears and help us be bold, one with the other, that we might glorify the Lord. You know, it's such an encouragement to know that others are laboring. Others are facing their fears. Others are risking ridicule. We're in this together. It really is just a sign, which to them or to our adversaries and have a token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. 
Paul says, don't be frightened, stand firm. Strive, stay focused on the goal, continue to promote the gospel in the face of your opponent. The fact that you do not allow yourself to be silenced by the intimidation, you trust in your God and stand on the truth. You're unmovable. This is all evidence that you're dest- uh, of their destruction and of your salvation. <clears throat> I came across this unknown quote. The most important weapon against the enemy is not a stirring sermon or a powerful book. It is the consistent life of believers. By the grace of God, may we at Liberty Baptist Tabernacle stand fast and strive for the faith of the gospel. We have something to stand for. I'm going to close with an illustration. Warren Worsby He gave this illustration in his commentary, and he writes this. We have some neighbors who believe a false gospel, a church member told his pastor. Do you have some literature I can give them? The pastor opened his Bible to 2 Corinthians 3, verse 2. Ye are our epistles written on our hearts, known and read of all men. He said, the best literature in the world is no substitute for your own life. Let them see Christ in your behavior, and this will open up opportunities to share Christ's gospel with them. The greatest weapon against the devil is a godly life. And a local church that practices truth, that behaves what it believes, is going to defeat the enemy. This is the first essential for victory in this battle. End quote. Church family, Let's band together and commit to living a conversation that is Christ-honoring. And speak up in our community with a boldness knowing that we are on the winning side. We truly have nothing to fear. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for this message and I thank you for your word. And Father, I know... Lord, that you desire to use us. And I pray that we would, Lord, empty ourselves of ourselves, Lord, that we might be vessels of honor, meet for your use. And Lord, help us never to forget that it's the power of the gospel, it's the word of God. It's not our message, it's just your message. And I pray that we would be faithful messengers, faithful ambassadors, to preach the gospel, Lord, and I pray that you'd help us and strengthen us by the Spirit of God. Give us a boldness to preach. And Father, I pray that you would band us together, Lord, with one spirit and one mind, that we would stand fast and that we would strive for the faith of the gospel. We thank you for this church. We pray for your work. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.